0: The simplest uh, kind of advice you can imagine is just don't try and solve the, the whole problem. Just just fix the things that you can fix today. One, 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 one day at a time, one bird at a time, and then, then it'll all add up. Right? That's all we can do is just do the best we can do today. Then tomorrow will be tomorrow.
1: Welcome to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. The rain began on Sunday, and by Tuesday morning, July 11th, residents of Waterbury, Vermont, where I live, woke up to find the downtown flooded and roads closed. Waterbury took a hard hit, but the damage and destruction were far greater in other Vermont communities. Montpelier, Barry, Johnson, and Ludlow, to name a few, were inundated. All of these communities face a long road to recovery. Governor Scott called this week's Vermont floods historic and catastrophic. Climatologists call it the new abnormal, just another eruption of climate chaos that is sweeping the globe. For Waterbury, this was the second so-called 100-year flood in a dozen years. In 2011, Tropical Storm Irene devastated downtown Waterbury, with flooding damaging 222 homes a third of the structures in the village. By contrast, some 40 homes and six businesses were flooded this week, with most of the flooding occurring in basements, sparing the first floor. Waterbury may have been spared the worst of the damage thanks to flood-resilient measures it took when rebuilding after Tropical Storm Irene. I spent Tuesday sloshing through flood waters in Waterbury and talking to my neighbors about what they're going through and how they're coping. The first person I met was Jeremy Ayres, a local potter. He was standing at the end of Elm Street, which was a lake, peering at his home, which he could only reach by canoe. Jeremy is the fourth generation of his family to live in his house. Jeremy, hi. hi. Hey. Sorry, good. Can I ask you some questions? Sure, sure, that's fine. Tell me what you know about what's happened to your home.
0: Um, well, uh, we we came down at 6.30 this morning to see that the basement was full of, of water, but the first floor was clear. And so now we're heading, we see the waters come up a little bit. We're hoping that the first floor stays clear. We, 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 we with a group of friends we removed everything from the first floor of the house and most of the things from the barn of my studio yesterday afternoon from about 3 to 6 or or so. And so now we're just hoping that they don't release any dams upstream that are going to make the water rise up. But
1: I know you've been through this with your grandfather a dozen years ago. What what are the emotions that you're feeling right now?
0: Well, I guess it's more we know what to do now. Last time we were totally unprepared. We we saved nothing. We brought nothing out with us, and and walked through chest deep water. And this time we 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 saved everything on the on the first floor that we could. And um, you know, the first couple days after a disaster, you're not you're kind of in fight or f- fight or flight mode. You're not really feeling very emotionally connected to it. You know what I mean? Like that'll come after a, the dip. Will emotionally will come in a few days. But for right now we're just seeing what we need to do to to keep the house in
1: good shape. I remember the story and 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 witnessed your house's recovery and the story that always sticks in my mind is as you were doing the renovations pulling out some of the floorboards and discovering a 1927 mercury dime. Yes. So, um this is now part of your house's history too um, what do you think uh,
0: I don't know what does that mean to you I mean th- we've got that in a in a frame on the uh, on my on my aunt's dresser of of uh between the 27 flood and the 2011 flood I mean my hope is that we're not gonna have to renovate the whole first floor of our house this time that we are escaping that but um yeah I mean the, the it It feels hard to think about doing that all over again, tearing apart the whole first floor of the house you know i've I've already been in touch with with plumbers and electricians and 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 the like and I've already rented a sump pump and and all that kind of stuff so we're just trying to to be super on task to save that to there they go my wife and sister in law are taking off with a shovel a shovel for a paddle yeah I just hope the water doesn't rise anymore. You can see the water line there, the high water line on the edge of the beer cellar, like f- yep. it's four feet below the 2011 line. And that's that's the mark that's, our, it was below our first floor by six inches. So as long as it doesn't rise up beyond that, we're okay.
1: I spoke next with Bill Sheplock, who retired in December after 34 years as Waterbury's town manager. Bill was a fixture on the streets of Waterbury following the devastation of Irene and he was lauded for his steady hand in managing the town's recovery. Bill Shepluck. Hi David. <laughs> it, it feels like we've done this before.
2: Yeah we we certainly have and it's uh, not a pretty sight very disheartening frankly um, just uh, you know here, here we are again and my heart goes out especially to the people in other places, uh, Montpelier, Barrie, uh, Ludlow. Um, lots of places have been hit much harder than Waterbury this time. But here in downtown and uh, some of the villages in the neighborhood, it really doesn't matter that it's not as bad because there are people suffering here now again who, who just uh, literally, some of whom just got through this Irene uh, rebuild uh, within the last month or so. The Congregational Church, just I mean the uh, Wesley Methodist Church, just had a a big donation to finally finish their kitchen renovation that was destroyed in Irene, and uh, it was finished a month ago. And now they've got four feet of water in their in their uh, dining room again, uh, below in the in the church basement. So it's tough. Um, Unfortunately, if you look here, the, the water's coming up again. Uh, you see over by the power pole, the bubbles. That's the storm drain system. The river's higher. There's water coming down from the, the east uh, and the south, and the river is rising evidently right now. In this water, that's suburban, that's in front of the beer craft cellar. An hour and a half ago, I could see the number plate. And so the water's coming up. So these people on Randall and Elm Street are not out of the woods yet. And I don't know how long it's gonna be before the water goes down when we can actually get in here and help people out because you can't do anything until the water's gone, of course. So um, it's, it's very challenging and disheartening. What are some lessons learned
1: from your experience a dozen years ago with Irene about how you deal with this both uh, on a practical level but also on an emotional and community level yeah
2: well um, I think the obvious thing that comes to mind is it really going to take the community again to to step up uh, in all of these places here in Waterbury and all over Vermont and uh, Folks can't do this alone. Um, the, the, we're gonna need to think about how we can muster outside resources again to, um, to uh, come in and do whatever fundraising might be necessary. Uh, what I learned quickly through Irene was there's no way that these municipal governments are gonna be able to do a lot for the long-term um, um, relief of the flooded victims, the municipalities are going to be spending a lot of time with FEMA and and other official agencies. Um, so it, it will take uh, a community to to do this, and you've got to you know you've got to breathe. You've got to it's going to take time, and people can't expect that it's just going to be resolved. Uh, and as you know, David, I mean, uh, 12 years ago, once the water goes down, you know, things begin to look normal pretty quickly. But for the people who have been Im- impacted, it takes a long time. It takes a lot of energy and uh, they're going to need a lot of assistance from people who weren't uh, impacted directly. So um, that's that's what I know for right now. Thank you. Hello
1: hi identify say your name and your role in the community This is
3: Danny Kelman I'm the vice chair of the Waterbury Select board
1: So Danny what are you seeing here in downtown Waterbury?
3: Uh, the first thing I'll mention is the amount of people coming up asking how they can help and that's what is always stands out to me about Waterbury is the love and the community and the support and the strength um, I do also unfortunately see water levels on Elm Street that are higher than they were. When I got here about a half an hour ago and so that is disconcerting but you know not entirely unexpected um, we've got folks whose basements are definitely underwater and um, streets that are closed but um, you know right now it's a little bit of wait and see so we can make sure people get the help they need
1: what are you thinking that the select board can do and will do what's happening at the municipal level
3: um, yeah, so the select board and EFUD commissioners, along with the town manager and someone from the fire department um, and maybe public works, will be having an emergency meeting at noon today, Tuesday, July 11th, uh, in the steel room at the town building. But it will be hybrid, so we don't want folks to drive. Um, they can log in to get the information via Zoom, and that's been posted on the website, also on the Waterbury Roundabout, Facebook, um, and they can log in to see what's happening. We're working on public publishing lists of road closures, Um, we're also going to, at that meeting, announce where you can find a sign-up sheet to help. We know a lot of folks want to help, and there's not really a way to do it right now, so they can sign up the way that they did uh, in Irene um, via a Google Doc, and then we'll get the word out when and where and what kind of help people need to be able to organize and mobilize in that way.
1: What are you feeling like is the biggest challenge that the community faces right now?
3: Um, there's a, a big emotional and mental challenge. I think so many folks are traumatized from Irene that this was a really scary event. Um, and mentally, it's, it's really difficult um, and, and very sad. Uh, I think physically right now we're just at that point where we have to wait and that's really hard. It's hard to assess damage both individually to private property and infrastructurally. Um, Right now we think most of our infrastructure in Waterbury is okay. Maybe there's some concern on Winooski, um, but we just can't assess until the water's down. So that, that time, that wait is a big barrier.
1: What's your sense of things that were done post Irene that maybe worked, that maybe helped spare the downtown the worst devastation.
3: I want to say first I didn't move to Waterbury um, from the Northeast Kingdom until a couple years after so I wasn't here directly after and other folks are more of an expert on that than I am I know we did some work um, houses that are on stilts buildings such as the brewery here that has been raised up so that the building wasn't um, flooded their basement certainly is I would assume from looking at it but the house isn't Um, you know infrastructure work that was done but again somebody like Mr. Shepeluk or someone else might have a lot more um, uh, accurate information on that work mm-hmm. um
1: thank you let me go back to you bill um this question of what was done after irene that worked i mean you're now seeing the fruits of your labors uh changes that were made um maybe some of those things work maybe some didn't i'm curious what you see so far
2: And what what the key changes were? Well, for for residents especially who were impacted in Irene, um, here on Randall Street, Elm Street, over on Union Street, Many of them, maybe most of them, took advantage of, uh, of assistance to move their utilities out of basements. They got their electrical systems out of the basements. They got their boilers out of the basements. Not everyone. Uh, we tried to encourage people to do that and, and, and many, many folks did. And uh, if those folks here that we're looking at on Elman Randall did that, uh, they have saved themselves uh, lots of headache and lots of money right now. Um, you know, we just celebrated the the uh, the end of the Main Street reconstruction, and although it's not helping now because the river is just so high, the the new storm drain system that we put in here. Uh, I was down here yesterday in the throes of the rainstorm, in places uh, on. Uh, on, um, you know, where the Wesley Church is and the funeral home, which would have been under three feet of water in the streets, uh, you know, it was bone dry. The the systems were all working well.
1: Talk about what changes were made. So uh, Danny was talking about elevating some of the buildings in the flood zone, and that maybe helped spare... The first floors, but also major changes were made at the state complex. And what do we know right now about how the state complex fared?
2: Well, I don't know anything directly. I drove down. uh, There's water over the parking lots. It does not look to me like anything got into the state complex buildings. Uh, All of the tunnel systems, which contributed vastly to the flooding in Irene at the state complex, were filled. Um, so, and, and, you know, lots of buildings were taken down. So there's a lot more area there for water to spread out. There's more floodplain there. Um, and so I, I think that area, uh, fared pretty well. Um, I think the things that, you know, we had done, um, after Irene were, were very, very, uh, beneficial. You know, one thing, you know, we lost the municipal building in Irene. And uh, we built the municipal building now in a place that um, in an event like this, we don't have to worry about flooding. So the, the municipal administration has a place to work now where they didn't in Irene. You know, we, we, we were in the school for a couple of months in one classroom, and then we were upstairs in the fire station for f- almost four years before we got the new municipal building. So. That alone is a huge uh, benefit for the community. It took Irene to, to get us the new building, but it's it's functional and uh, we'll uh, pay dividends because the staff will be able to more easily just deal with the uh, day-to-day administrative tasks that need to be done. And then, you know, we have places that we can we can meet and, uh, and folks will be able to have uh, Meetings with whoever has to come in to to provide outside assistance. So that on that score, we're way better off than we than we were 12 years ago.
1: Next, I turn to Waterbury's current town manager, Tom Lights. So you came onto this job in January, and in July, you are dealing with
4: uh, what some call a hundred-year flood. Uh, yep, that's uh, that's part of the job, I suppose
1: what are you seeing right now as being the
4: critical needs so we've uh, we're working to order dumpsters for folks that will help clean up uh, once the water recedes we're trying to get some de- de- uh, commercial size dehumidifiers for people um, Fortunately, we haven't had any loss of life we've had some property damage um, most of the water seems to be right at the edge of the basement so we're watching pretty carefully to make sure uh, hope, ho- just hoping it doesn't go up any further um, right now we need time and dry weather
1: what will the recovery look like
4: the town select board uh, more or less immediately decided to take the lead and to pay for um, pay for some of the trash removal costs and that was something we did in irene um, and that was hugely helpful from my understanding of the history so we're going to do that again and use our use our own staff to the extent we can to help with that um, i'm sure some other some other towns have already reached out to me and offered to help uh, st albans being a bi- st albans city being a big one um so i think there's going to be a real community recovery effort a lot of people are um, we're getting constant phone calls people offering to reach out and and pitch in the challenges we can't clean up until the water recedes
1: What has is st albans offered
4: Uh, they've offered their public works crew to come down and give us a hand um, and we're we're just not quite ready for them we need some time for the water to to recede the the good news about this is that uh, certainly compared to irene the municipal infrastructure uh, appears to have come through this fairly well we've got um, you know we've got some roads we're watching pretty carefully and we think there may be some some washouts in places um, you know but it wasn't uh, it was more of a longer slow event so we didn't get uh, huge challenges you would if it came down a short period of time so I think that the work that was done post Irene to harden the infrastructure did it's it all worked it did its job
1: what are some of the key post-Irene
4: innovations you think that have come into play here? All the Main Street work that helped with all the drainage of the downtown. Um, so that's all come into play. That was all uh, really effective. Uh, I- explain what was done on Main Street. Uh, all the underground work, all the, all the drainage for the storm source was a big part of it. Uh, there were also some buildings taken down at the state complex, which helped.
1: So that I characterize it accurately, so the the sewers, the drain sewers, were well. You you describe were
4: I think like most downtowns uh, before Irene, they were fairly antiquated and, and not super effective, um, and probably undersized given 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 our knowledge of hundred-year floods. Uh, so now they're now they're much larger, they're more effective, just able to move water faster. The one challenge we are seeing now, and if you if you look right behind us. Uh, Right now the river is higher than the storm source, so we're seeing the river water back up into the system. So that's why we have this flooding on Main Street right now.
1: Next I spoke with Waterbury State Representative Tom Stevens. He lives a few blocks away and his house was luckily spared by the flood waters. Waterbury took all these measures after Irene to be more resilient. Can you just talk about what was done and and what you see so far is working
5: the key thing that happens for flood resilience in waterbury 12 years ago and actually probably 10 years ago was that they took out three to four feet of silt behind the state building that had been collecting over the last couple of hundred years and that in theory was going to reduce the flood levels by about a foot and so given the fact that if there is as much water as as passed through Waterbury, um passed through the winooski as there was in irene what we're seeing is better drainage here downtown and we're seeing in folks houses on randall street or we're hearing because we haven't been able to get down there that the water is in people's basements but not in the first floor of their houses which is a huge benefit um to to the recovery um clearly the houses behind us here on elm street uh, have water In their first floor but the fact that we could have we could have avoided that we did avoid a repeat of irene to this point shows that 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 excavation and that work that scientific work um, has helped out a great deal and will probably have to be enhanced moving forward
1: what for you is a big lesson learned from Irene, as you deal with now the recovery of the downtown here once again,
5: I think people will volunteer again. I think there will be an energy to help the people who were damaged. But what we've what we learned during the two or three year period after Irene is how to be patient with the government, with FEMA, with um, fixing things. Uh, that was something that we all jumped right into, and we really expended a lot of energy, and, and I think learned quite a bit. Like right now, I would say that it's that, that some of us who have the experience, who are here today, uh, from ten, from twelve years ago, are going to just advise people to be patient and to be thoughtful, and to and to really put into place the things that succeeded for us. The you know the local the, the loc- local helping groups. You know whether people need food or whether people need a place to stay. Um, but it is going to be a, a, a new learning lesson for for the generation of people uh, here in Waterbury who weren't here 12 years ago and want to help. So we're going to be able to advise them and try to help them out, uh, help them understand the process and, and the, bureau- the uh, bureaucratic nightmare that it could be, and try to get help to people in the best way we can. Um, we're experienced now, and that experience is going to help.
1: There feels like a certain calmness here that is strange and i there was a kind of a frenetic energy the last time what what what's your sense of it
5: I I don't know if it's a sense or if it's just a feeling, but it is definitely mellower um, because this wasn't a tropical storm. This wasn't, I anticipated the tropical storm for a week. I followed that religiously for a week before the storm came. So my tension level, my my anxiety was at a high, high level 12 years ago in anticipation of this. And then, then to see it and to experience the aftermath was exhausting and there was a lot but there was a lot of energy and this is um this was a different storm this was a quieter storm this wasn't a named storm this was just a lot of rain and it's so it is different and i think that that the feeling in the air is different than than it was 12 years ago Um, and i think part of that is due to the fact that you know we can't get to randall street yet so we don't know what's going on down there so we're still anticipating what's in front of us
1: you, you deal with these issues on a, a micro level, your house, and a macro level as a state rep dealing with things like the Global Warming Solutions Act. Um, talk about the connection between climate change and what we're experiencing on the street here in Waterbury, Montpelier, Barrie, Vermont.
5: Well, I think climate change, man-made climate change, especially, is a part of this. I mean, these storms that we're having, uh, when we were first introduced to to climate change, it was throughout Gore's Inconvenient Truth. And and the one thing that stood out for me, however many years ago that was, was that there could be a wicked storm, and 10 miles away there could be drought. And I think the intensity of the storms and the amount of, in this case, the amount of water that was in the storm and how much was focused on us, and how it played in with the with the wind and the, which we luckily didn't have very much of but how it played in with the mountains and the way that the the storms were formed it was just inexorable you know and that's something that i don't think that we've ever experienced in in decades past and and i think there's a direct line to the kind of weather we experience and the randomness of it that is a definition for climate change and we need to accept that what we do on a small level here in vermont has to be part of a bigger whole uh, across the globe. And while I appreciate the work that we've done in the state house to try to make our our leaders and our government focus on it, um, it is literally a drop in the bucket, but it is the right attitude to have.
1: As I walked around the flooded streets of downtown Waterbury on Tuesday, I ran into one of its best-known citizens, Ken Squire, Ken's family has owned radio station WDEV since 1931. He also founded Thunder Road Racetrack in Barrie. He is a legendary sports broadcaster and a member of the NASCAR Hall of Fame, among numerous other honors that adorn his office at WDEV where we are sitting. Ken is 88 years old. He only comes in occasionally, and the staff is thrilled to see him today. Ken Squire. You've been through a lot of disasters.
6: (laughs) I don't think we're quite there as a disaster at the present time. Although yesterday looked like Waterbury (laughs) might have had the radish, but no, look at it today. And I think we're so fortunate with all that they did to get us ready for what could come. And apparently, it's worked. And uh, where the problems are are. just to the other side of Waterbury, but uh, it wasn't that many years ago that the top of the street out here was the launching was the launching pad for the rowboats that went down the street, right down where the streets are now, uh, because the water was 14 feet high on South Main Street and Waterbury. Came Recovered from that, I always feel that Waterbury is a very good place because they they have that sticktoitiveness to always make a comeback, and this isn't that grievous yet. Yet, <laughs> let's hope it isn't any more than this, but uh, it's enough.
1: This radio station is now 92 years old. It was born in the wake of probably Vermont's worst disaster the 1927 flood what and it's also been through other ordeals world wars um, tropical storms what is the secret as somebody who has the long view of enduring and persevering and coming out the other side of these disasters okay
6: well I haven't come out yet (laughs) I feel like a disaster these days, but uh, I'm so tickled to wake up and hear the job that WDEV did yesterday, but everybody here just pitched in and did what was exactly needed uh, in the crisis that was upon us, and uh, I sat and listened to it on the radio all day and thought, my God, some people got it. this doesn't sound like most radio stations. It really sounded like part of the overall community, which was what it was all about. And the chips were down yesterday. You've spoken
1: often about how in times of crisis the role of local media becomes even more critical and how we're losing that. What do you think is happening in the world of media and and what does WDEV represent that's important?
6: Well, it's precious because it hasn't forgotten what it was supposed to be, which is a community service for a lot of communities as we expanded some of our energy and power. And to listen yesterday to the people on this radio station talking with the people that really counted, the people that called in and had information, it was what it was built for. That's what this station was all about. It wasn't the box of little records. It was the business of local radio in local communities when they were under the pressure that Vermont was yesterday, and maybe again tomorrow. But that's what radio is for. And I was so proud of listening to DEV and not being able to be here up on the hill and, and, uh, and hearing how people were responding and information was being fed into us from the folks that listened. And it made such a difference all day and into the evening. Pretty good. That's what radio is supposed to do. And it did it, and it did it so well. You are now h- how old? Remind us. Oh yeah, we're getting old. And I can't add it up because I always get it wrong. <laughs> I think it's eighty-six or so. I think you're a little off, but I'm I'm with you. <laughs> I like that <laughs> a lot. And uh, but all the things that Waterbury has been through, and Montpelier and to hear how they really got after it yesterday. And several of the key people in this place weren't here, and others stepped in, and they just did a Methodist job. It was just wonderful to listen to what they were doing, because they were really providing the kind of radio attention that is so important to small communities. Small-town radio is what WDEV was built on. That's why it's right still in the same building that it was in when it started. And uh, where you are now, is part of the history of Waterbury radio.
1: You're somebody who's seen a lot in your many decades. (laughs) (laughs) What's your advice to people for how you keep going after you've been knocked down?
6: Well, the way they're doing it and the way they committed their thoughts and got on and talked about what was on in their part of the state of Vermont was so important. And they did a the Methodist job. It was really good. <laughs> you listened listen to it and all these voices that are so often just hearers, but these were the people that were speaking up about what was going on around them And WDEV was there as the conduit to get it to other people to understand what the concerns were and were not, that you didn't have to worry about some things, other things you had to worry more about. And uh, that's what local radio has to be. Thanks, Ken. You're welcome.
1: I walked out of DEV to the corner of Stowe and Main Street. This corner is now ringed by six restaurants, A hundred varieties of craft beer are on tap within a hundred feet of this. Waterbury rose from the soggy ruins of Hurricane Irene in 2011 to become a thriving destination for foodies, craft beer aficionados, and outdoor enthusiasts. Eric Warnstedt has been a big part of this revival. I found him at Prohibition Pig, a restaurant and brewery that is normally packed with people most nights
7: i um, Eric Warnstead, and we own uh, Hen of the Wood and Prohibition Pig.
1: So tell me what happened to both of your businesses.
7: For Pro-Pig, uh, both basements, the brewery and the restaurant uh, are full. Um, nothing is in the main restaurant. Um, then Hen of the Wood has a couple inches. It's pretty much where the water table is throughout the whole town. So the basement where the prep kitchen and the bar, there are a few inches, but we'll be able to clean that out pretty easily. The Pig Brewery, though, and Pig Restaurant, we're we're done for a while, probably.
1: So when people hear it's only in the basement, they think you dodged a bullet, but what's in the basement?
7: So the restaurant has a prep kitchen, uh, two walk-in coolers, and then Pro Pig Brewery has our entire brew system down there, plus walk-in coolers, cold room, um, and all, all sorts of equipment. It's a big deal, for sure.
1: So I remember that Pro Pig was born out of a previous disaster. Can you tell me some of the heritage of uh, of Pro Pig?
7: Sure. The Pro Pig opened uh, six or seven months after the Alchemist shut down, and we were all here that morning. I lived around the corner, helping our friends here on Randall Street. Um, I think we imagined this would happen again, just not in 10 years or 12 years or whatever it is. Um, yeah sad but it is what it is we have people with a lot worse problems around here this is just a business we will get it figured out it's going to take some time um, but it really is just you know one foot in front of the other um, we wish this was receding a little faster it seems to actually be rising right now surprisingly but it is what it is yeah
1: so Hannah the woods this is the new location how long uh, ago did it open
7: Uh, We opened a month or two ago. We had a little challenge at the beginning um, from a sprinkler system, but I'm not going (laughs) to bother everyone with that right now. So we do have a little water in our basement, but it will be easy to pump out once this starts to recede.
1: So it's not too much of a setback for Hen of the Wood, but for Pro Pig, it's bigger.
7: Pro Pig is out for the foreseeable future.
1: And the brewery behind it as well.
7: And the brewery behind it as well.
1: Were there any things done in the wake of Irene in the rebuilding of this place that have helped you?
7: Uh, I wish I could answer that better. Our buddy Chad, who opened the Pro Pig, uh, did all of the remodeling, and there was a lot of changes, moving electrical up higher, different uh, the way the plywood is put in the wall, that closed cell foam downstairs. But I don't know how much it's going to matter when we start pulling everything out.
1: How are you feeling?
7: It's sort of hard to shake us. I don't know. I'm happy to be here with the community, and it's going to be a group group effort the next few days. But I don't know. Restaurant people, you can't really shake us, I think.
1: <laughs> you had a fire at Hen of the Woods in Burlington in Hotel Vermont. You've you've literally been through all the plagues.
7: We have seen a few. Uh, locusts are next. But I think when you own, you know, we own a handful of small businesses every couple of years one of them is bound to have a challenge like this and when you have your eggs and just a basket like waterberry we know that this may happen um i just didn't think we imagined it happening as soon as irene Um, we were following it yesterday we were preparing and lifting things off the basement as much as we could but we really were imagining a couple feet not uh, the basements full to the brim
1: so for people who haven't been through this before who are not veterans of pandemic fire water and uh, what other pestilence Uh, what advice do you have
7: gosh I forgot about the whole pandemic thing yeah that was rough Um, I don't know for us it's really just taking it day by day Um, we don't panic we have an awesome support network we have great communities Insurance has been our friend for the most part. When it comes to this flood, that's a little different. Um, A lot of these contents aren't covered, but uh, I think it's just day by day, one foot in front of the other. And for, you know, if people need help to reach out, I mean, this community is all here ready and waiting. As soon as the water starts to recede, the whole town is gonna descend upon this place to get, to gut everyone's basements and such, so.
1: I remember when the Alchemist was flooded, other breweries around the state came to the rescue to to salvage some of the kegs and uh and there was even a beer made hell and high water that was auctioned to help the recovery is anything similar to that happening right now
7: we have not gotten that far yeah we need the dust to settle here for 24 hours or so um, and if we have challenges we do have some other businesses where we can move some of our staff around So that's probably a blessing in disguise. Um, We have other businesses that can help support this financially as we figure out what the build-out will be. So all those things are blessings, I'm sure.
1: Thank you. Across the street from Pro Pig is Waterbury Sports. I see co-owner Chuck Hewson standing in the doorway but I can't walk across the street to talk to him since there is a large, deep pool of river water that threatens to fill my rubber boots. I work my way around the edge of the puddle to reach him and find out how he's doing. So what happened to your store?
8: Uh, The storm drains couldn't handle the amount of water that was uh, in town and pushed water up through and we took in water in our basement. Luckily we had spent all day yesterday and into the evening, um, with help of lots of friends, getting everything up. So, um, we'll see.
1: Did y- were you able to pretty much s- save most of what was in the basement?
8: We brought up all of the new merchandise. Um, there was some of our uh, ski lease gear that didn't make it up all the boots made it up but some of the skis and the poles they were hoping that we'll be able to clean off and uh test and make sure that they're safe and be able to send out for everyone next season
1: how about the first floor
8: we came within inches it looks like so everything is dry at the moment and hopefully we've peaked and we're uh, we're on our way down but we're on a little fluctuation right now so not much you can do, but wait it out, wait for the water to go down and then we can start pumping out and assess.
1: How are you feeling?
8: Uh, it's a, a bag of emotions, you know, we weren't, This shop wasn't here, uh, you know, and Irene, uh, but I do live here in town. And so to see this happen again is, it's devastating.
1: How long have you owned the store? How long has Waterbury Sports been here?
8: Waterbury Sports has been here since 2015. Uh, August 1st is our eight-year anniversary. And uh, <laughs> looks like we're going to have a big old party for that one.
1: you Are going to survive this?
8: We'll make it through.
1: What is going to get you through this?
8: Just knowing that, you know, the community is here for us and we're here for the community, so, um, you know, Having be able to have like eight friends come down in a matter of half an hour text messages to help just work for four hours sweating. It's, 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 we're water very strong.
1: I make my way back across the flooded main street to the Waterbury Fire Department. Battalion Chief Sally Dillon has just returned. She's been up all night and managed to get a two-hour nap. What, what were you your challenges here in Waterbury?
9: Um, we moved all of our trucks out of the station last night um, right around uh, midnight, and we've had two water rescues that we called in, Swift Water Rescue Teams, for um, nothing that we would be capable of doing, one on down by Fars Field and one on the end of Winooski Street. Um, other than that, it's just really right now waiting for the water to go down and then figuring out how... People can be, you know, need help and probably a staging area where people, volunteers can come which is what we did in Irene and get it coordinated that way but until the water goes down and right now it's still coming back up, um, we're just kind of in a holding pattern.
1: Having been through Irene, <laughs> what are your feelings right now?
9: <laughs> I feel bad for the people that have already been through this before, this is nowhere near as bad as Irene. Um, With Irene, Main Street looked like a war zone. Um, Randall Street, Elm Street, I know they got hit again. We've got a couple of um, firefighters on the south end of town. They got hit again, but not as bad as last time. Certainly, there's still a lot of work to be done, but this is nowhere near as bad as um, Irene was, and hopefully we don't get any more water.
1: What were the swift water rescue situations?
9: Uh, One was down at Byfars Field, which was a woman that drove through um, the water, thought she could make it through, and then all of a sudden it took her vehicle. That one apparently was a pretty simple rescue. The one on the end of Winooski Street um, during the night was a woman that drove down off Camel's Hump and thought she could make it through. She didn't think it looked that bad, and it was literally raging water across the end of Winooski Street. Um, very impressive to watch these guys work, to, to make it over, to get her. Nothing I would ever want to do.
1: What did they have to do? What equipment was were they using?
9: They put a boat in um, and literally, as you would say with a car, floored it and made it across to the to the bridge and then got out over there, made their way carefully around her vehicle, got her in a life jacket, got her out back to the bridge and then back onto the boat and then come back across the way, the raging water to um, safety.
1: Where was that team from?
9: That team was from New Hampshire. Um, there was trucks from Bedford, Goffstown, and Manchester. And then the one earlier in the night there was both a Vermont team and a Massachusetts team. Um, Swift Water Rescue was definitely busy last night. They were um, staged at the Berlin Fire Station and they We're constantly getting called to go here and there. I just can't stress enough to people to evacuate when you're told to. If you think you might need to evacuate, then evacuate. Please don't wait until it's too late because you're just putting a whole bunch of people's lives at risk. Um, Obviously, we know that when you sign up for this job to, to do that, but sometimes it's unnecessary. And never drive through water. You don't know what's underneath that water, and I don't think a lot of people realize the power of water, I remember when we evacuated for Irene, um, we had water just like knee height at the side of the station. We were headed back down to do more evacuations. And it was hard to walk. It it pulls you and it only takes a couple inches of water to move a car. So people just need to be
4: smart.
1: Back at Elm Street, I find Georgia Ayers, who has just paddled back in a canoe from her flooded home. I ask her what she found.
10: So the first floor is spared. The basement is full and It's about seven inches from the first floor.
1: And what what did you lose in the basement?
10: Well, since Irene 12 years ago, the basement has nothing in it but firewood and a dryer. So we got the dryer out yesterday.
1: So it was empty?
10: It was empty, yeah. Oh, well, excuse me, the utilities are there. We've got furnace, water heaters.
1: How are you feeling? What do you see ahead for you guys?
10: I feel a bit out of body. Like I'm floating a little bit in this surreal situation. And I can't really think too far ahead the I just need we just need to the water to recede so we can get to work
1: what did you learn during Irene your family was so much at the epicenter of both the disaster but also the recovery there was such an outpouring to help you guys get back on your feet what does that do for you now as you think about the challenge
10: well, I guess I can remember that and the the resiliency that it's brought to deal with the situation now. And we just need to get to work and fix it, deal with it, just like we did last time. It's all we can do.
1: George's husband, Jeremy, is standing next to her. Jeremy's 94-year-old grandfather, Gleason Ayres, survived Vermont's greatest natural disaster, the Great Flood of 1927. After Tropical Storm Irene, Jeremy helped his grandfather escape from the family home, wading through chest-deep water. Gleason Ayres died three months after Tropical Storm Irene, having seen his family endure and thrive despite all the challenges they encountered. What? words of wisdom did your grandfather uh leave with you about getting through disasters
0: i mean it's 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 the simplest uh kind of advice you can imagine it's just don't try and solve the the whole problem just just fix the things that you can fix today one 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 day at a time one bird at a time and then then it'll all add up right that's all we can do is just do the best we can do today then tomorrow will be tomorrow
1: That was Jeremy Ayers and his wife, Georgia, speaking with me yesterday in Waterbury. I want to thank my Waterbury neighbors for sharing their thoughts with me. Their tenacity and grace inspire me. That does it for this week's Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. Thanks so much for listening.